Coming up on this edition of the Golf Digest podcast, we preview the 2019 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach and have a chat with Tony Finau. My God, my swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. Why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! What is this, Costa? Mine's off the rack. I wish Tiger Woods was here to help me with this. We'll do it live! Welcome back to the Golf Digest Podcast. I'm Alex Myers. Today I'm joined by Sam Wyman and Chris Powers. Uh, we might not give you the lock to win, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We're going to try to help you out here. Uh, we're also going to talk to Tony Finau a little later in the program. But uh, obviously, it's a huge week on tap. We've got the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Um, as our, our John Strage just wrote the other day, it's the crown jewel of uh, not only U.S. Open golf, but American golf, really. I mean, obviously you have Augusta National, but I don't know. The U.S. Open has its own lore and everything else. And uh, Sam, I'll start with you. What um, you know? What are your first thoughts when you think of Pebble Beach? The greatest meeting of land and no, sea. I coined right. that phrase. Yeah. Most people give it to some <laughs> other guy, but I actually was the one that that came up. Who with Jim that. Nance? That's right. Uh, <laughs> it was Robert Louis. Yeah, there was Robert, Robert Louis Stevenson. Stevenson. He penned a few good lines. Uh, great golf writer, Robert Louis Stevenson. Mm. Right. Wrote a great gamer from the uh, Travelers Championship a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, look, I, you know, U.S. Open at Pebble, I do think that is kind of the pinnacle. And it is amazing when you read Streggy's piece, you think of it as you, you, you sort of put it in the same category as Wingfoot and Oakmont, but it's a fairly new entity. I mean, this is the fifth, right? Fifth? So, no. So 2019, 2010. This is great radio, by the way. 92, 82, 72. There have been five. five. This is the sixth. Right, and there was a PGA in 1977. Right. Um, and it they, comes about every 10 years. Right, and I, they, they, John talks about how, um, you know, it was it's in a somewhat remote area in the sense it's a, you know, hour-plus, two-hour drive from San Francisco, and there was questions about how they could pull off a, pull off a major championship there. Now it seems like such a no-brainer. It is, I think— um, the best U.S. Open venue, because you and I have had ongoing debates, and we'll probably have a debate about it today, about, you know, the character of the U.S. Open, what we like about it, what we don't like about it. I like the fact that Pebble does not need to be tricked up to be terribly difficult. I mean, there's, you know, obviously they turn up the temperature a little bit compared to what they do in, in February when they play the AT&T there, but... Uh, so, you know, it's it's a course that a lot of is a lot of it's dictated by the elements. Um, I like the fact that it's not a you know big ballpark to use the phrase we talked about. When we talked about Beth Page Black. It's a it's a shot maker's course. There's a lot of different looks in the greens, small greens, um, and so it's you know and look look at the number of players who have uh, have won there and contended there. It's a pretty nice assortment of players and great players. I mean, Gray McDowell, you can say what you want about where he is right now, although he's making a comeback. Um, at that point in 2010, he was one of the best players in the world. Yeah, I mean, he's still a surprise winner, and we'll, we'll talk a little about that a little more later, but Chris, I know you, you've you been out there. You've played it, right? Recently. Recently. Yeah. When when was that? How did that go? That was in this, uh, this past November. It didn't go very well. I have played there well in the past. Uh, How many past times have you played there? Three, actually. My God. Very fortunate. Have you played there? What are we paying you? Yeah. Wait, have you so, played there? No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you know, I know people who know people. I'll just say that. Wow. I, I've paid to play there. I paid all yeah. three times. Full freight. But, yeah. 600 bucks? Five. Wow. Which I'll say Plus is. Plus a caddy? Uh, no. No, no caddy. Ca- carried one year. Hmm. Took a cart one year. And like a four caddy. Okay. No, What's never, the pace of play? What was the round? Uh, that's what I was gonna say next. I think for for five hundred dollars, it's I think it's the coolest place in the world. 
the vibe. I think the vibe is my favorite part about it. Walking around there, you know, during the day and all that. But for five hundred dollars, it takes five and a half hours. <clears throat> it's really slow. There's a million people there. I don't think it's worth it. Totally. I don't want to. Wow. Dagger it. Well, maybe rather, not for the third time. <laughs> right. Well, you, you get, get to play it time. one time. Yeah. It's such a hard outtake. Like Pebble right. Beach is right. overrated. Right. But I, I do see how people think that. I'd rather play Spyglass, to, to be honest with you. Wow. Well, Spyglass is not cheap. No, it's, it's like over 280 or, Ooh, or 300. 300. It, it yeah, might be 300. Yeah. I, I did pay to play there a couple Ooh, years ago, too. That might that might have been 300. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to kill me once I actually have to start paying for this house. But uh, <laughs> right. But yeah, I, but that that being said, rest in what, peace. Chris Powers yeah, doctor. Yeah. That being said, when you're out on 7 and 8, 6 7 8, I think it's like the most magical place in the earth without a doubt. You could argue that because you're out there longer that it's actually better value because now it's that, 6 hours now it's that. like no, under insane. $100 per <laughs> yeah. per hour. That's like that's like saying if you shoot 118 you're getting more value yeah, because you're, you're taking more shots there. Seem, like let's say for example when I was on on 9 I think I hooked one into 13 fairway. So I was standing in 13 fairway for a solid 15 minutes before I hit my second shot waiting for people to clear the green. There's people in 13 fairway so it's kind of like there's too many people on the course. It takes too long. But it is Pebble Beach. So when you say there's so many people on the golf course, I mean, what are they doing tee times every four minutes? I right. mean, yeah. it must be every ten minutes. Plus, there's caddies. You know, everyone's taking pictures. It's kind of oh, right. like it's kind of right. like a clown convention a little bit mm. at times. But sounds like I, a guy. <laughs> it's still my, amazing. It's, yeah, it's still Pebble Beach. There's a guy on my golf trip, and anytime something goes wrong like that, he likes to call these places a factory. So oh, oh it's a factory. <laughs> so is it a factory? He probably would not want to go because it's a factory. <laughs> So it sounds. Yeah, I would. I would agree. Definitely yeah. a factor. Circus. If you um, yeah. I, I. I fell in love with Pebble Beach just watching the 2000 U.S. Open on TV. I, I. That was the week that I was graduating from high school, and I remember just. I mean, obviously Tiger Woods. I was into Tiger Woods and everything, but um, I don't know what it is. It comes across on TV better than any other course. Oh, it's it's spectacular. Fantastic. I mean, I, I know what it is. Yes. It's it's a spectacular piece of land, and you know, even like Augusta National is incredible and. I'd say they're the, obviously the top two, that, and I think most people would, um, at least of the courses that we get to see on TV. But, you know, the o- you know you have an ocean there. It's, it's a little different, and it's so spectacular. And obviously that, that event was just so legendary. It just sticks with you. Tiger, um, you know, winning by 15 shots, obviously. You know, grinding for pars late in the day to keep that 15-shot lead. I mean, just it was just an incredible week um but then dropping f-bombs when he hooks a ball on the drop yeah, exactly oh magical stuff um but no I, I did get to go there in 2010 because 2010 not only was it the last u.s open at pebble beach but it was the last golf digest challenge u.s open challenge US open i was challenge. so uh, envious of you jealous of you because you get to hang with the great one which i is got to my, hang with the great one that's right. that's right wayne gretzky was there and that was i was going to say he uh, when he finished, everybody thought he shot 99, and they would, oh, it was like this fun thing. Oh, he shot 99, he broke, because the whole goal is to break 100. Uh, that It originated from Tiger once saying, like, Oakmont, a, a six handicap yeah. or something couldn't break 100. And right. people were like, oh, I don't know about that. Well, Gretzky wasn't a six handicap, but he was, I think he was like you, like a 12, like a fake 12. And um, <laughs> he and I, he shot a, a 99 <laughs> or so, we thought. And then on the after he finished... Someone told him, no, you actually shot 100. I'm, and I'm trying to remember, like, th- this wasn't live, so it wasn't like there was, like, a TV call-in guy or, or like, David Ogren, whatever that guy's like, calling David in. Eager. David Eager. David Eager, my bad. The guy who busted Tiger calling in. And then Gretzky was so bummed that he shot 100. And so Mark Wahlberg ended up being the only guy to break 100. He shot 97. Drew Brees, who was a, quote, 
three handicap, shot a 103. And then the contest winner was Peggy. Ferentz, Peggy Ferentz, yeah. yes. And, and she she didn't come close. I mean, it was <laughs> tough. And she was playing the back tees. I mean, it was right. it was a brutal test um, of golf. And it was so crazy because, like, Bubba Watson and Ricky Fowler were caddies. Yeah. It was event. a great was, event. It was geez. a great, great event. But it kind of, the point was proven. And we did point it for, was proven. We three, did it for three, three years, years in a row. Tory yeah. Pines, Beth Page yep. Black. And we did I remember. I remember it well, actually. Well, Roethlisberger ripped it up at Beth Page Black. Shot eighty-one. He played wow. out of his mind. Yeah, he I mean, almost he, he almost just, broke eighty. Right. Um, Jordan played in that one. He Jordan really struggled. Was, he was mid eighties, though. I think. I think he. No, back. I don't think he yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, you covered it. I, you should remember. But I, I, I'll bet you he shot like an eighty-five. I'm gonna look it up. While he we definitely talk. shot Keep in talking. the eighties. Um, yeah. So that was. I got to go there. Of course. Then I came back. So I did eighty-six. You're see. right. Sorry. Woo! Wow. Jordan. Um, don't test my knowledge on golf ties. <laughs> U.S. Open challenges. <laughs> Foremost authority. Foremost authority. Uh, but unfortunately, I had to come back, and I've never played there, but I got to walk it. I mean, just an incredible place, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, so speaking of that year, Sam mentioned Graham McDowell won. You know, he was a good player on the European Tour at the time, but he had actually just snuck in via the top 50 in the world ranking like two weeks before. Um you know, he had been on a Ryder Cup, but he hadn't become like a star yet because 2010. Well, that year was the year that he obviously was yeah, some, the the cl- clinching the punt. Yep, against uh, Ryder Man. And then he also went on to beat Tiger at the, uh, I think it's back then it was the Target che- World Challenge. Yes, huh? yes. Yeah, the, was it the oh, Chevron? Yeah, it probably was the <laughs> Chevron then. Who knows? Anyway, yeah. so, sure, I mean, sure I don't right? know. So it's one of those chicken or the egg things. Like, he was a great player as evidenced by the fact that right. he had this amazing year. At the time when he won, right. that was sort of the beginning of his right. uh, ascent. But he also only had, you know, a couple years of being a great player. Probably. But, okay, and, fine. And I mean, was he and, in the 08 Ryder Cup team, are you saying? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. let's not forget that that year, Ernie Els was very much in the mix. Yes. Yes. Tiger was but very that, much in the mix. Tiger had a magical yes. Saturday. Yep. Um, wasn't Phil, Phil Mickelson? There? Phil was yeah. in the mix. That's what yeah. I was going to say. There was, there was three huge names on the board. In addition to Dustin Johnson, who right. had a three-shot lead going into Sunday. I was thinking about Sunday. this. We kind of it could have been an all-time yeah major, and it, no disrespect to Greg right. McDowell, it, it kind of fizzled out on Sunday. Well, and and even um, I got to find it, but uh, even McDowell talks about uh, he he struggled coming in. I think he was like four over on his last ten holes, and he basically says, "Who I'm about to say, the guy who finished runner up, Gregory Havre. Right. I mean, never been hurt. Almost since. had an 18 hole playoff with Gregory right. Havre. Imagine. Right. Uh, totally. He said, "I was surprised Gregory Havre was the closest guy to me. No disrespect to Gregory, he's a great player, but when you have Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and Ernie Els there, you're not expecting Gregory Havre to be the guy you've got <laughs> to fend off. And that's who he did. And um, at one point, Els even was tied for the lead early in the day. So it was kind of crazy that you had all." these big names none of them won as sam mentioned the resumes of the previous four winners couldn't have been any better um jack watson tom kite tom kite i guess he was the weekly no but there, tom but, kite at but that but point was a great number player. one player number in the world one, and he right. was definitely like, hands down best player to not have won a major at that yes, point yes exactly um and then tiger obviously and so then graham McDowell. actually tom kite that's when we talked to um colin montgomery just uh, a couple weeks ago that's the one that colin montgomery finished well before the leaders, and he walked off. Jack Nicholas came out of the booth to congratulate him. I said, remember Congrats that, yeah. on your first U.S. Open win. <laughs> and then <laughs> somehow, not only did Colin Montgomery not win, he actually finished third <laughs> somehow. So Jack was a little, little off there uh, because Tom Kite, they, they, the win picked up obviously, and Tom Kite really hung in there and battled well. That's what Sam we, we mentioned. I want to mention next the uh, the weather. Obviously, Pebble, um, you know, it, 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 you never know what you're going to get with the weather. It looks like a pretty good forecast. Um, I shouldn't say you don't know what you're going to get. You you actually it's 
pretty consistent. It's just the winds can vary a little. It's, it's going to be high 63, basically 0% chance of rain, and 10-mile-an-hour winds every day. That's the prediction. And it, it, some people, it leads them to wonder, why don't they just have it here every year? Now, I know it would be a logistical nightmare, especially for Pebble, because they want to make money. They have to shut the course down. Um, you know, well, I they mean, probably if do. You make, make that calculation. They would never do that. So let's, right. you know, because there's too many other great golf courses in the U.S. But it, just let's just say for a second, they went to Pebble Beach. Said, by the way, we want you to be the, the you know, um, consistent host of the U.S. Open every year. They would make that trade off in a second. You think they, they would? I think so because yeah. it just it just elevates Pebble Beach even more. It suddenly becomes Augusta National. It's Augusta National. Well, West. I mean, obviously yeah. it's not private and doesn't right. have the same mystique. But right. but to have that have that uh, distinction would be amazing. Yeah, and then obviously it's it's one of the few places that hosts a major the same year that it uh, hosts a regular tour event. And uh, but as we saw with this field in February, it's not like all the guys go there and play as a tune-up because it's just so much different. Mm-hmm. I mean, the weather's chillier. It was raining. You know, you get awful weather for the, the AT&T Pro-Am. It gets dark. It gets as, dark. As we saw Phil the, on And the, the course is just so different. So it, it's it's weird. Actually, in the Pro-Am, you know, we, we, you're talking about golf hardos before. No one's a bigger golf hardo than Mike Davis. And the guy didn't even play lift clean in place when everyone else was playing lift clean in place at the Pro-Am. So, um, and uh, – Anyway, at least it's the next thing we want to talk about. Mike Davis has stepped away from overseeing the tournament setup. Uh, John Bonnenheimer has jumped in in his place. And, Sam, you know, we just ran uh, our latest Golf Digest Confidential. Uh, Brian Wacker, John Huggin did a great job collecting quotes, mostly uh, anonymous quotes, obviously, because these were it was a rip show uh, <laughs> on the USGA. I mean, guys were just torching the USGA left and right. Um there was even talk of a player boycott and that there was a good amount of people. I think something said maybe like 25 players were in, in, involved. Uh, you know, how do the players feel then coming into this year? I mean, how do they get around that uh, dealing with the USGA? Well, I mean, there's it's just endless tension between the two parties and everyone plays nice the week of. I mean, you know, when they come into the media center and, and – um, they talk about the tournament. They talk about the the distinction of the U.S. Open and how it's such an important event. And but there's this underlying um, I don't know if resentment is the right word from players about how the USGA doesn't really understand the tour professional and doesn't involve uh, PGA mm-hmm. Tour you know officials to set up the golf course. That they sort of you know the, the again it's that classic cliche you hear in golf, which is the USGA is an amateur organization that's now running a professional event. And I almost feel like I want to go the other side and defend the USGA only because it's become such a um, recurring theme the last, well, really the last year because of what happened in Shinnecock and now obviously because of this and Phil Mickelson's remarks, um, I guess that was last week, talking about mm-hmm. how 100% of the time they've messed up setting up the golf course. And I feel like I feel like it's um, it's a little bit unfair to the USGA because I know there's no there's no um, ulterior motive here. They're trying to um, set up a set up a golf course difficult and have a great tournament. They, I just think that they have made some really poor calculations. Um, last year was a classic example of Shinnecock, which was they uh, had this history there, 2004, of having this terrible setup on Sunday. And the the 
theme going into that week was the one thing the USGA cannot do is mess this up. Right. And that was, right. that, and I think that was a headline of a story we right. ran. You know, they can't mess this up. And then Saturday, um, they they a couple of severe pin placements, and Mike Davis comes in afterwards and says, "Yeah, we kind of we kind of." Uh, misjudged the weather forecast. We got it wrong. And it just showed that why would you even allow that to enter into the right. equation given you know, the downside was too great. And so you keep waiting for them to learn their lesson and say, you know right. what, we were wrong. We're going we're gonna to back up for a second and try to err on the side of caution here. And I hope they do because I just feel like, you know, if I mean, we can talk about this, um, if the U.S. Open winner ends up shooting 1,200 par, are we really going to be upset? Is no. that going to be terrible? No. So why not just allow that to well, be, be a, a possibility? You'll be a little. Upset. I, I mean, you're, I'd you're, rather you're... it not be twelve under par, but but I mean, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Okay, but yeah. given the alternative between uh, a winner shooting twelve under par on a great leaderboard and right. guys, you know, having an opportunity to make birdies on the back nine on Sunday, or a shit show, excuse my language, right. uh, of someone. Um, you know, set up playing a, a too large a role in the outcome, you would much rather have the, the former. Right. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Um, speaking of back nine, I just in 2010, though, and this is the, the problem with Pebble, or, or the good thing about Pebble is when the conditions are tough in general and you have those small greens and you have the win, the, the six leaders through 54 holes made a combined two birdies on the back nine on Sunday, right. and they had 18 bogeys or worse. So... It can play tough no matter what. You don't have, but that's the point. They don't have to set it up. Uh, they don't have to trick it up. And fortunately, Pebble, there really haven't been any controversies at Pebble. I mean, in, in terms of USGA setup, so that bodes well, Rory, because Rory even said recently, if they mess up Pebble next year, there could be right. a problem. So at least, I don't know. At least it seems and, like Pebble would be the place. And, and t- sorry, just Sam's point about Phil's comment. He said. Uh, they've messed it up 100% of the time in the 29 years he's played. Uh, the only time they haven't is if it, it – sorry, they don't mess it up if it doesn't rain. Um, no, they mess it up if it doesn't rain. Rain is the governor. That's the only governor they have. If they don't have a governor, they don't know how to control themselves. Wow. People forget that Thursday and Friday last year, it was on track to be like a pretty good – I mean, Brooks yeah. Kepik was Brooks Kepik was seven over, and there was, it was not tricked up. It, the weather right. was a little iffy the first two days. So they just had a bad day on Saturday, and yeah. But it's four <coughs> rounds. It's four I know. rounds. You no. can't four have one bad day in four I rounds. Know. You can't. Last and year it was, was really the, just like two yeah. bad pin. The one Phil. Yeah. And you, I know. You can't. You can't no. have even one bad day with their history. With their history at Shinnecock. With their especially at Shinnecock. Especially at Shinnecock. It, it was, and then and then to go so far the other way where there's like three guys are going to shoot 63 on Sunday. You know they screwed they screwed Sunday up too. Right. Yeah, they did. It's kind of. Well, again, bit. though, so I, again, I'm I'm totally fine with guys going low if the conditions are what they are, and that's why, to your point about how they haven't really messed up Pebble, there hasn't been really an outcome. I think it's Pebble is the closest you get to an Open Championship, which is um, the golf course is the the difficulty of the golf course is largely dictated by the conditions, and you are banking on the fact that conditions will be tough enough that you don't need to go overboard with what you do in terms of pin placements, in terms of rough. Um, in terms of green speeds, well, and if it so happens that it, it's a placid day and guys can shoot a yeah. number, so be it. What's what's wrong with that? It happens. Yeah. It, it it's happened at, at every Open Championship. Um, one day there's a you know there's a morning wave or an afternoon right. wave where guys are able to shoot a number just because it's fairly calm. That's a good point about the green speeds and uh, or because of the 
smallness of the greens, they really can't go crazy with the green speeds. Right. And because of the potential for wind. Or the so pin that, placements. Right, the pin placements. There's only so, so few on certain the, the, Now, the course itself, there haven't been many changes. By the way, if you haven't seen our hole-by-hole flyover video narrated by Jim Nance. Electric. Um, who says who actually says glorious in it. It is glorious. Um, you should check it out. But uh, the, the only – they've made a few minor tweaks, uh, mostly – to expand some greens so they do have some more options with pin placements. But for the most part, Pebble, very small greens. Like Sam mentioned, you have the wind. You can't go crazy with the green speeds there. Um, guys, you know, it will, it'll be pretty similar to what they've seen for, for years. It's not the longest course. That's I think, you know, people say, uh, and we're going to talk about Brooks Kepka next. Uh, let, actually, let's just jump into Brooks Kepka because he is the favorite, although barely over his, uh, his buddy Dustin Johnson. Uh, you know, people say, well, what's going to stop Brooks Kepka? He's on this major tear. He's won four out of eight. I, I don't think anything is going to stop him necessarily. I just think that Pebble, there will be more people with I a chance. I totally agree. To, I think, and, and that's you, what's going to strengthen yeah. numbers against Brooks Kepka. I agree. I think you look at um, Beth Page Black and Aaron Hills, where, um, where Brooks Kepka, sorry, I haven't had enough coffee this morning. Where Brooks Kepka has won majors, um, in addition to Bell Reeve and Shinnecock, but those were two venues where he just had such an advantage because there's such you know wide landing areas and he could just overpower the golf course. Well, he certainly has an advantage there because his length is going to play a role and he hits the ball so high and is putting out of his mind. But a lot of guys can have a good week at Pebble Beach next week if they're if they're if their ball striking is on. So um, I agree with you. It's not that he is sort of neg- his advantage is non-existent. It's just that other guys are br- brought into the fold. Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, I think you know everything you've heard is that the fairways are going to be extremely narrow. When I was there, I don't I don't mean to be. Yeah, I, when yeah, I was yeah, there, yeah. we got it. We got it. You played it three times. They had like want to uh, go hole by hole real quick. Yeah. They had like the uh, white dashes where the rough was going to go. Ooh. And on eight, it's like so – I can't even imagine how small it's going to be like a little sliver. And right. Kepka's actually – I have it right here. He's 96 in driving accuracy. Mm. So I think guys that can hit the fairway are – you know, uh, short hitters like uh, like Matt Kuchar, you know, mm-hmm. not not a fan favorite anymore. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. definitely a nice little dark horse pick. He hits a lot of fairways, hits a lot of greens. So I think guys like that, shorter hitters, uh, Zach Johnson is always in. I saw a stat last night. Zach Johnson is one of the only guys that's made like the last five U.S. Open cuts. Yeah. So guys like that definitely have a chance. Tiger's going to have a chance. He's the way he was striping it uh, on Sunday. Every yeah, like Sam said, a lot a lot more guys will have a chance than just Dustin and Brooks Kepka and and even Rory. That's funny you mentioned the rough spring, bro- the fairways being brought in because even at this year's AT&T, they had done that, but. They hadn't um, let the rough really grow, so it wasn't too penal to go in the rough. But the but the players did kind of see, wow, this is a little different. And they mentioned eight was a lot different um, of an angle that you're hitting. Also, Mike Davis had mentioned that they've really shaved the rough at the end of the fairway. So, like, I mean, if you go a little long, you're gone. You're over the mm-hmm. cliff, which that's always such – I mean, again, I've never played it like you, Chris. Have you played it, Chris? That, that, to I, me, that seems like – seven seems like the sickest – Part three in the world. I mean, you can make case for twelve at Augusta, obviously, and then eight. I know Nicholas says it's the best part four in the world. It looks like the best part four in the world to me too. The only thing I would say against that is that you can't hit driver there. Well, I probably could, but you can't. You're a big hitter, Chris. But no, it's um, like two fifty. Sam, I Sam, and I, I could could there. do it because it's uphill. Um, uh, but you can't. 
the only reason why I would say it's probably not the best hole par four in the world is that you can't hit every club. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. don't have that option. But in terms of spectacular holes, it's like a Second shot. game. Uh, if you were creating a video game, you would make up a hole that looks like that, like yeah. where you hit over this cavern, this chasm. It's a tiny green. Um, so it, it looks, it, it's incredible uh, that stretch. Um, all right, so we talked about Brooks a little. You know, this is the first time. I think the PGA was the first time he was a co-favorite, and he was a co-favorite with Tiger and DJ. Now this is the first time. Um, now, again, this could change. Both Brooks and Dustin Johnson are playing in the Canadian Open this weekend, but this is the first time that he is a solo favorite heading into a major. Chris, you're a gambling guy. I have DraftKings um, right here. You have DraftKings. <laughs> you have it up. Um, does that change, you know? Uh, yes. I'll say that right now. It yes. changes your yeah. like me- look on someone or men- yes. their mentality. Like I mean, being it changes my favorite. look on Rory anytime he's the favorite. I, really, I, I won't touch him. You won't touch him. Yeah, when he's the favorite at Augusta. Okay. I mean, what's the what's the value in taking Rory when right? He, what if he still? What if he he's really obviously got demons at Augusta and they're going to make him the favorite? There's there's absolutely no value in betting on him to me. So, um, Kepka at seven and one. No, I would. That's not a guy I would even consider. Then again, I would consider Dustin Johnson at eight to one. Because of how well he's played there in the past, so sick logic on my part. No, no, <laughs> I mean, no, it makes sense. But okay, so as a gambler, and I'm kind of with you. You know, when a and guy, it's, it's golf. It's like right. It, there's too like much. I'm just saying, so many guys can win. Right. Why wouldn't you take a guy like Kucher at it, fifty to one it, or whatever ex- he is? Exactly. Seven. Once you're getting under ten to one odds, and I know Sam, you bet Brooks at. Uh, you're an expert. You're an experience. Yeah. You bet Brooks at, at nine to one or twelve to one. You had him at like twelve to one or something. I don't know. I can I can look yeah, at my receipt from whatever it was. Whatever it was. That's kind of the borderline. He's now past that borderline where, like right. you said, Chris. I mean, there's just so many things. Now I'm also the same guy who used to bet Tiger even odds against the field <laughs> and win. By the way, like yeah. multi, uh, usually, but I'm saying once you get past a certain level. It is tough because you know it's a golf tournament. It's so tough to well, win. Well, so again, I don't gamble nearly as much as Chris. So it's, 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 it's yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Cut that. Big, Big gambler. Um, and so a lot goes in. Is it, is it, is it about strategy or is it, there's an entertainment value in betting? And so my my theory about about betting is you want to bet on guys who are at least in the mix. And so a guy who's a twenty to one odds or twenty five to one odds, obviously it's amazing if they if they contend and they win. But there's also a very good chance that they're non-existent mm-hmm. and they just kind of fade away. Whereas if you bet on a favorite like like Brooks Kepka, the odds are much better that they will at least be. You you feel pretty good that Brooks Kepka is going to factor into the equation on Sunday, which is great. Again, entertainment value of like monitoring, and, you, and you're still getting right. plus odds right on a, on a favorite, it's not like which yeah. is unheard right. of in other sports. Okay, well, obviously. so then though, from Brooks Kepka's perspective, you know, as a guy who says he doesn't get the respect and this and that, and um, does he? Does it change him at all that he is the favorite now? Or, yeah, does, has no... he, or has he considered himself the favorite already at these events? I don't know. I've read a lot about and I've heard Kepka talk about how he's always trying to manufacture something that right. he can derive motivation right. from. So he can't with this. Well, I'm, I'm sure he'll find something else. Yeah. Like you might look I... at him funny in a press conference yeah, right, and he's right, suddenly right. going to say, that guy looked at yeah. me strange and I had to stick it to him. Right. I mean, he'll find something. Or you so, should say he should be even odds. He shouldn't even be. Right, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. I wasn't, yeah, right. it wasn't right. enough of a Tiger thing. was even odds back in his heyday. <laughs> yeah. Look, everyone's got to find something to, to kind of light a fire under them. And I feel like he's on this run right now where he's finding those things. Does, are you, so is the question, does the fact that he a, a favorite sort of take, cut into his motivation or um, foster some level of complacency because he's suddenly 
um, kind of arrived at the top of the mountaintop, and there's no real reason to to keep going. I don't I don't think yeah, so. No. I think he's on such a good run. He's so confident, and you know now it's like okay, uh, I'm obviously the best player in the world. Well, now I'm talking about history. Right. You know now I'm talking about doing things that that you know only Tiger and Jack have done. Right. Right. I, I do so. You know he's barely favored over his buddy as I mentioned, Dustin Johnson. Are they still buddies? Um, <laughs> I think they are still buddies. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of talk about that, but I think yeah. that you know whatever's going the, on, the between, coaching change, the now, coaching change. I think there's that's an awkward dynamic, yeah, but I don't yeah. think it's personal between them. It's just about kind of how they navigate that whole scenario. Also, and you know, we noticed this at uh, at Bethpage. You know, Claude Harmon was with Brooks Kepka. Yeah, he was following him around every every minute of every hour. And meanwhile, Dustin Johnson finished his runner up, and he couldn't get the time of day from him. So you could kind of see that happening. I know when Tiger uh, changed. Uh, from Butch that time, remember Butch was with uh, Adam was Scott. It? I think. Well, I mean, it, was we it even like Justin Leonard or something. There was something back been. at the at Hazeltine. Or anyway, right. the point is like, you know, a guy only has so much bandwidth as a coach, and he can he can't be with mm-hmm. everybody at one time, and so he has to, you know, that's tough. So yeah, but yeah. It, yeah, that's also there's a different dynamic. Like you know, we have a story that Matt Rudy has written about the Dustin Johnson arrangement with. Claude Harmon and and basically DJ's mo at majors is he doesn't really want to be it's maintenance when he gets right. to majors so right. maybe some guys are actually looking for a more active coach right. and looking to actually accomplish certain things at majors. Dustin right. has made clear that he's really looking to just uh, keep everything yeah. you know on uh, not on the complicated, right. which exactly. is kind of how yeah right. exactly. All right, but but Dustin Johnson. So again, we mentioned. 2010, he was the 54-hole leader here. It just seemed like he was going to march his way to his first major. He was actually, at that time, the two-time defending champ at the AT&T Pebble Beach. Obviously, they play it over three courses there, but you do play two of the rounds of Pebble, so he'd had great success there. He'd shot, I think, a 66 on Saturday to just, you know, bulldoze through the field. And then he shoots an 82, and it's kind of the first of these heartbreaking Dustin Johnson major moments. So, I guess are we weighing more that he has this negative memory there, or and by the way, he hasn't won even the Pebble Beach tournament right. since then. He's he's had some good finishes there with his, you know, future father-in-law. And didn't he? Wayne, Wayne I mean, Gretzky, he lost to Ted Potter there. What was that led, two years ago? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I mean, he had he's, a bad Sunday. He definitely has let some opportunities get away there since. So, does he now have the bad memories there or the good memories as he? As he approaches, I think it's just entirely different when it's a major with him. And obviously, he got in the mix on Sunday at Beth Page and kind of folded right when he right when he tied for the lead. But I think Sam made the point on the podcast who did that that night. He still got himself there, and it was really tough conditions. So I think that's a good experience to kind of come from behind. But um, no, I still I still like him there a lot, and. I don't know. I don't know when he's ever going to get the second one, but I kind of like his chances this week, next week. I do too. And I also think if there's a guy who's not going to to dwell too long on past yeah. failures and not overthink things that have gone wrong, it's Dustin Johnson, which sounds like a yeah. mild um, dig at him. It's not. It's just like he, you know, I think he's a guy who's very much in the moment. I think he sees sees golf holes that he can take advantage of, and that's the way he plays. And I think. Um, if he doesn't win next week or has a bad week, it's because he has a bad week. It's not because right. of lingering memories or because he's overwhelmed by the moment. I just think sometimes he's not, you know, for whatever reason, um, he's not performing as well at majors as he's certainly capable of performing. I, I agree with all that. And, um, you know, I would actually make him the favorite. You mentioned, Sam, betting on guys who are going to be in the mix. 
and certainly you make the case with Brooks, not only in his four wins at majors, but he's, he never misses a cut. He's always kind of there. Uh, but Dustin is the same way. And, you know, because he hasn't won a major, he has the two runner-ups so far in the first two majors to complete the uh, career Grand Slam <laughs> runner-up. Um, he He's actually having an, an underappreciated season. Um, if you look at the four biggest events, stroke play events of the year, I'm not counting the Memorial because Dustin didn't play in that one. Um, in 16 rounds, his worst score, worst score, is a pair of two under-70s at the Masters. That's amazing. That's his worst That's score right. in 16 rounds. I mean, even even Brooks has a clunker every every now and then in those rounds, uh, in those events. So, you know, in the best events, he has played consistently the best. He just happens to have two runner-ups. Brooks has a win and a runner-up. Um, he's right there. The U.S. Open seems to be the major where he's right there the most of all of them. And again, you, you factor in the Pebble Beach history – uh, we should talk like a little that. bit about, yeah. um, you know, history of Pebble Beach and success during the AT&T and how much that factors into uh, U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Because by one theory, the, and the, the kind of the, the conventional thinking is, oh, well, he's played this golf course well. He should play this golf course well this week. The other way of looking at it is, is that um, they are two completely different Golf courses based on the type of the type the time of year and the setup by the PGA Tour versus the USGA, and because of that, the preparation and sort of muscle memory that you are creating when you play in the AT and T, it's in some ways is counterproductive when you get to the US Open. It's funny, and the reason I'm mentioning that, and we'll probably talk about Tiger, is because in the Tiger uh, Golf TV interview he did with Henny Zool. Um, after the Masters, he talks about how he didn't practice on Tuesday at the Masters because he sensed that the conditions that day were not going to be close to mm. this, the conditions that he was going to play on Thursday. And his fear was that he was going to sort of create feels that would 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 be misleading when he right. actually played. And I actually, I, and again, this is a theory. But I got to think there's some element of truth to it, which is you're looking at lines on the tee on Thursday. You're looking at putts that you face um, during, the, and suddenly they're completely different, you know. And so it's it's almost worse that you play that by that theory. It's almost worse that you play the AT&T because you have this level of expectation of what things what the ball should be doing on certain occasions, and it actually is not that at all. Well, and also, to jump in here, the, the atmosphere is obviously totally different in that event, too, and that's why a lot of guys don't play to begin with. It, it is six-hour rounds. You're playing with amateurs. Um, you know, Dustin's playing with his f- father-in-law. Rory invited his dad one year, missed the cut. He wasn't exactly grinding it. I mean, it's more for those top-level guys – it's not as big of a deal, and uh, that's why you don't see as many go there because they just don't want to put up with that that whole the atmosphere. So it, it is different, um, you know. But but Tiger was able to win both times in but 2000. Again, we've had this discussion about Tiger. Tiger was just he was the best. The best. Yeah, the yeah, exactly. Like, he was gonna. You know, yeah, it's he, almost in spite of that. that he, he spotted won. Matt Gogol the, the seven shots with seven to play, and he still came back and beat him. I, I want to jump in here now uh, for a second. Obviously, we, we have. Uh, Tony Finau, a talk with him. Um, he was not around for the 2010 U.S. Open. He's only played at Pebble a couple times, uh, you know, T38 to T23. So he'll, he'll, he played this year earlier. He'll be able to speak more to what he was trying to gain uh, from that experience heading in, into this week. So let's have a listen to our talk with Tony Finau. 
Before we go on, let me talk for a second about Golf Digest Schools. Golf Digest Schools is our new cutting-edge video instruction platform offering more than 250 classes on every part of the game and featuring the leading teachers in golf, from Butch Harmon to David Ledbetter to Michael Breed. Unlike the quick tips you can find across the Internet, these are full game improvement programs meant to be followed step-by-step as if you were working with a pro. It's like Masterclass meets Netflix, but even better because there's the added promise of feedback. To sign up for Golf Digest Schools, go to golfdigest.com backslash access and use promo code SCHOOLS to get 30% off an annual subscription. Again, golfdigest.com backslash access and use promo code SCHOOLS. All right, I'm excited to welcome back to the Golf Digest podcast, U.S. Ryder Cup player Tony Finau. Tony, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Good, man, good. Uh, so obviously we got a big week coming up, U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Um, just wondering, first off, how's your game feeling right now as we head into uh, the third major of the year? Yeah, crazy. I know, third major. Uh, <laughs> no, my game feels good. I've uh, got some great work in with my coach, Boyd Summerhays here uh, in Utah, just prepping for uh, the U.S. Open, but um, just the you know the next my next run in general. Um, but the game feels good, and I look forward to playing another major championship and, you know, at an iconic venue like Pebble Beach. Sure. You know, obviously you've had a really good run at majors the last few years. Um, you've kind of gotten used to playing in these events, but do, do you still tweak your prep for these events? Does it, does it change? Do you, you know, you, obviously you're not playing this week, but do you, you know, your practice schedule and all that, are you still kind of figuring out what works best for you? Uh, yeah, you know, I am. And, and I'm, you know, I think there's always uh, things to be learned as you, you know, go. I, I, I am getting used to playing in the major championships and, and kind of the atmosphere and, and um, you know, what, what it has to entail. But I, I enjoy major championships and, and just uh, the rust of, of competing in them and playing in them as, as, you know, everybody puts such an emphasis on it. And, you know, I, I try and treat it as much as I can like a, like a normal tournament. Um, you know, but, you know, as we know, major championships are, are very special and held at a high standard in our game. And, and, and so you always just want to make sure you're prepared uh, physically and mentally as you as you get ready for uh, major championships. And that's uh, how I try and approach uh, the majors and, and just, again, the stretch that I have coming up. Sure. You know, obviously, it's a little different situation with Pebble Beach having hosted a, PGA, a regular PGA Tour event earlier in the year. I know you played in that event. Um, did you play specifically hoping to get some intel on the on the course, or is it kind of too early in the season uh, to really get get something that will help you for the U.S. Open? Yeah, it, it's a little too early in the season, and and just you just know uh, it's not going to be the same golf course. Right. Um, but it, it was cool. It is just always it's always just special to play Pebble. Mm-hmm. I played many, I played Pebble many times. And, um, you know, it is. it was good to see it again in competition, but uh, it's going to be a very different golf course, uh, as I expect, than, than it was in February. You know, very wet in February, very soft, um, you know, much colder at that time of year uh, up in Monterey. So I think just all the elements are, are going to be much different um, and, and the way they're going to set the golf course up. But, uh, you know, I love Pebble. I, I enjoy playing the golf course, as most people do. Right. Um, I'm a huge fan and, and, and look forward to seeing it next week. Yeah, you've, you've called it a holy golf ground, which I think a lot of golfers would agree with. What what makes it so special to you? And 
you know, what, what memories do you have of, you know, the two most recent opens that, that have happened in your lifetime, I guess, uh, the, the 2010 U.S. Open when you were already, you know, you were a, a budding player already at that point. And then the 2000 U.S. Open, I guess you would have been pretty young. But uh, what do you remember about those two yeah. and, and what, what's so special about Pebble? Yeah, well, Tiger, you know, 2000, 2000 uh, U.S. Open sticks out to me uh, because of Tiger's performance. And I remember watching it at the time mm. as a 10 or 11-year-old. Uh, just, uh, you know, he took my breath away with his uh, with his performance. To be able to win a golf tournament by that many shots, uh, to be that many under par, and, and to be the only one under par, uh, that's probably one of my favorite experiences in all golf. You know, and now that we're playing couple again, it was cool to be back there. But, you know, what makes Pebbles, you know, such holy ground is I think it's just the great champions that have been crowned there and great major champions. Um, Tom Kite, Jack, mm-hmm. Tom Watson, I mean, some of the some of the guys that have been crowned champion uh, as a major champion at Pebble uh, makes it makes Pebble such a great um, site, you know, for, for major championships. And then the iconic views, you know, there's there's no place like Pebble, mm. you know, and there's no. I think Jack Nick has been quote, you know, Jack Nick has been quoted, you know, if he has one more golf course to play, um, you know, at the end of his life, what would it be? And he says Pebble. You mm. know, I think that speaks volumes for Jack and, and how many golf courses he's played. That he'd still go back to Pebble and play if it were his last round. So that's you know Pebble. I mean, there's, you can't say enough great things about it because of not only the golf course but the views, and then coming down the stretch, uh, 17 and 18, such iconic uh, uh, holes, and and champions have been crowned on those specific holes. So really, really cool um, to be back, to be back there this year. Sure, uh, I understand you're doing something with American Express this year at the U.S. Open. You, you want to tell us what that's about? Yeah, it's really cool. So we're in our second year as a partnership, and, and, and I'm very, you know, proud to represent a, a company like American Express uh, as a card member. Uh, just excited to be back at the U.S. Open with them. Uh, they, they're going to be set up just left. They have a card member lounge set up just left of hole 11, which is uh, a really cool view. And, you know, they have the opportunity uh, for their fans and card, card holders to, to come in, lounge, have food, drinks. Um, I'm going to be there on Friday uh, just hanging out and, you know, maybe signing some autographs, taking some pictures. Um, but just as card members, you know, American Express does a great job of, of taking care of their, their card holders and, and their fans there at U.S. Open. So they're going to enhance that experience by having um, having that lounge there for all their card members. You know, they have speakers you can throw in your ear to listen to the broadcast and, you know, outside of watching the golf uh, that is right in front of you. So really cool experience and, and, and a very – uh, you know, it's just very cool to be a part of a company like American Express and, and look forward to the, you know, the years ahead for, for, for us and our relationship. Sure. Sounds, sounds really cool. Um, I want to go back to last year's U.S. Open. Uh, you know, obviously it seems like every year there seems to be players complaining about the USGA, this or that. Uh, last year it was Saturday at Shinnecock. But you and Daniel Berger... You did okay. You guys teed off early. You did great in that third round. I wonder, <laughs> did anybody afterwards, any other players kind of, you know, uh, give you a ribbing about that? that? You know, you guys had it easy? Huh. I mean, we heard it. We heard it the whole afternoon. <laughs> how, much easier, how much easier to play. I watched the broadcast because I couldn't believe what was happening before my eyes. It was right. the strangest thing I've ever been involved in. Uh, you know, I, I finished. I walked off the 18th green last last year on Saturday, and and 
out there. Maybe if he shoots a few over, you never know, you know. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, there I am in the final group Sunday. <laughs> just, just crazy, just crazy events of what happened last year. Um, you know, but the, the U.S. Open is, is, is the toughest test in golf. Right. That's the logo. Um, that's, that's the slogan. And we know that as players every year going in. So, um, we, it's a level, it's a level playing ground. Um, you know, maybe tee times make it easier for some guys to score than others at certain times of the day with the wind and how much firmer the, the greens can get. Um, but relatively speaking, we're playing the same golf course Mm -hmm. and, and we know, and we know it's going to be a tough test and we, and, and you, you, usually you're mentally prepared for that as a player. And and I know that's not going to be any different this year at Pebble. You're going to have to have your best stuff if you're going to be standing on the green. Sure. Uh, well, obviously, like you said, some unusual circumstances there, but then there were some unusual circumstances at the Masters this year. Uh, you and Francisco Molinari should have been the final pairing, but obviously with the tee times moved up, uh, they went to threesomes and you got a, a certain, uh, yeah. you know, decent player got thrown in there with you. What When did you kind of learn that you were going to be in the final group with Tiger uh, before that, before that uh, Sunday round started? Obviously, you know, you, you guys hung in there really well all day under tough conditions. What, what did you get out of that uh, final round experience playing with Tiger in the final group at the Masters? I 
what's that like for you? Obviously, you mentioned 2000 U.S. Open, Tiger taking your breath away. And now you're playing in a final group with him. Uh, you were on the Ryder Cup team with him last year. You were teammates. You know, obviously, you guys are, are pretty friendly. What, what's that like just kind of getting to know someone who you looked up to as a kid? Obviously, you said, you know, you've learned about your game, that you can win majors, and you, you certainly look like you're going to win some majors at some point, uh, you, and you have four top tens in your last six major starts. But, you know, people are always drawn to the, the one career PGA Tour win, and it just doesn't make sense. You're, you're, you're so much better than that. What is, what's the one thing you think that's held you back from kind of breaking through and getting in the winner's circle more often? Sure. Maybe I should have two by now. Um, but look, 
expectations are going to be there. Um, I think we're going to have a, be having a lot of different conversation in the next 10 years, and, um, and this will be a moment in time. Sure. Yeah, you mentioned the top 10s. 11 top 10s last year, 19 top 25s and 28 starts. That is amazingly consistent golf. Um, I wonder, you know, obviously your other big sport is basketball. You were a great high school player. You know, we always talk about who the best golfer, uh, basketball players on the tour are. And, you know, your name is always at the top of the list, obviously. And then there's Gary Woodland and Dustin Johnson, maybe Smiley Kaufman. Have there, has there ever been like an all-star basketball game on the PJ tour of these names that we always hear about? Have you guys ever really had a big game to kind of settle who the, who the best player is? <laughs> no, I, I don't think any of us are as concerned about who the best basketball player is, is but sure. um, it, it, if there ever were to be a game to be played, I'd, I'd love to be a part of it. You know, I think, um, you know, we have some great athletes, and great basketball players on the tour, and and it'd be cool just to get together and just play some pickup. I think, and uh, you know, maybe even play a game of horse or whatever the case. But um, I know there's some great athletes on the PJ Tour and, and some great basketball players, and I think you know you name a handful of them. And right. if we ever did get together and play some basketball, I think it'd be a lot of fun. So there there isn't a weekly pickup game or anything like that. You guys don't play. You you. When was the last time you actually played? Two nights ago, I play I play pickup basketball while I'm home. Oh, you so, so you keep playing, right? Like I, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I still play quite often. Uh, I just love hearing that, but <laughs> I do I do play <laughs> I do play uh, quite often when I'm home. You know, I got my my boys get my boys together, and you know, two or nights a week um, while I'm home, um, we'll play. And uh, and actually, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, you asked about you know Jabari and the relationship. Sure. I, Oh wow! Well, don't don't get hurt. You got a big tournament next week. <laughs> um, I understand. Also, you you're really into cooking, and you're you're a big chef. What what's your signature dish that you make? Yeah, my signature dish is uh, it, it's called it's called corned beef gravy. Okay. And 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 then just chicken curry. Uh, it, corned beef gravy is a very uh, Tongan dish, uh, Polynesian dish, and I make a mean corned beef gravy. And then, yeah, and then just like a, a chicken curry, spring of chicken curry, curry, I like bone in. Um, mm. and, and I, and I pick a, make a pretty mean chicken curry. So those are probably my two top dishes. Um, but I love to grill. You know, I love grilling. I, I have a green egg uh, that I grill on. Mm-hmm. And you know, I love grilling steak and, and you know, barbecue chicken, um, some pork. So, I, you know, I enjoy cooking. I think it's a you know, sense of therapy there. But, uh, you know, I, I was always, I seem to always be my mom's sidekick when she was cooking. And, <laughs> Sure. You, you will you be cooking next week at Pebble? Is, are you the, are you the guy who everybody looks to to make? <laughs> we've got, no, we've got we've got actual um, real chefs. Okay. <laughs> coming, coming in next <laughs> coming in next week. Um, I, I'm staying at um, uh, just one one of my buddies' uh, houses, and um, he, he's got a couple of chefs there. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna stand back and let them let them go to work. Very cool. Yeah, you got to concentrate on other things. Well, Tony, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'd, I'd love to try the chicken curry sometimes. It sounds fantastic. Good luck to you this week at Pebble, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out there, and good luck to you the rest of the season as well. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. You got it, man. Take care.
Thanks again to Tony Finau for joining us. All right, we were talking about Tiger Woods and, you know, how obviously he won in 2000 and then he won both times there. Uh, obviously, he's the reigning Masters champ. I think we're all still kind of amazed by that. I, I, me especially just because he really hasn't seriously contended in any other event this year. And yet the one event that he was even sniffing around the leaderboard, I know at the Memorial he made a run on Sunday, but he had no chance of winning. He even knew that. Um, the one event that he was even in the mix, he wins. It's kind of amazing. Then he takes the month off, goes to Bethpage, misses the cut. We don't kind of know, know what to expect. Uh, comes back to Memorial, a place where he's had great success. He's won there five times. Gets up to a little bit of a slow start, finishes strong. Chris, where do you think uh, Tiger's game is heading into Pebble? Obviously, everybody's going to look at 2000 and say, oh, my God, he won by 15. And, and even 2010, when he was coming back from the scandal still, and still managed, you know, a T4 there. So he does have great vibes here. But uh, what about his game in particular uh, are you thinking about? I mean, I love the way he looked Sunday, the way he was um, hitting his irons, controlled, low. Uh, I mean, he kind of tore the place up. It, it was it was amazing. I really thought he could have shot 59 if, yeah. he, if, he, if he dropped a couple short putts. But now he's got a week off and, and all that. But um, I think he's going to have, you know, he's one of the best at, creating a game plan pebble beach is a great place for that he's not going to have to hit a lot of drivers i don't, I don't think uh he's going to play to put it in the fairway he'll probably lay back on a lot of holes like he uh like he did at carnoustie last year and uh i think if he just keeps it in the fairway i think he has a great chance he's you know he hits as many greens in regulation as anybody on tour and uh yeah i like i like tiger's chances next week uh, yes, I, I agree. I mean, he was so locked in, especially on that front nine on Sunday. Didn't miss a fairway, didn't miss a green. You just don't usually see that from him because uh, he, he can spray it a little, obviously. That that shot on, I think it was seven, the par five, the, the five wood over the flag stick with the water there. I mean, that was just a laser. Um, I was most impressed, and I think we talked about this the other day, um, his putting because at Bethpage he really struggled. He missed multiple you know, four, five, six yeah. footers per round that kind of really killed his round. This at Memorial, again, the greens at Memorial are pure, so it's it's tough to miss putts there. But he was just so much cleaner with, with those putts. Sam, you know, are people going to make too big a deal about his past success at, at Pebble? Or, I mean, does that— Probably. Yeah. Probably. I mean, yeah, because we're, we're talking about nine years ago and 19 years ago. So right. let's not overvalue that. I think it's more— um, you know the state of his game right now. I mean, w w you know, the one consistent thread between both of those events was that, in addition to being at a point where he was just playing better than everyone else, he's the most cerebral player in golf and right. thinks his way around a golf course better, and had a game plan that he executed perfectly in 2000 and pretty, pretty well in 2010. And I do feel like when we talk about uh, Pebble Beach. It is similar to Augusta National in which there are more decisions to be made than there would be at, say, Bethpage Black. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like Bethpage Black, not to make an excuse for Tiger, is a bit of an aberration. He, he, was, he was sick. Uh, mm -hmm. He didn't prepare as well mm -hmm. as he should have. He didn't play an event. So there was some rust he was contending with. He was a little bit off. He missed the cut. Now, by one uh, shot, too. I mean, it's not like he missed it by a ton. <laughs> no, yeah. right. And you're, you're right. And so he was just, he was just a little bit off. Um, but now he's played this event at Memorial in which he consistently talked about um, trying to hit shots and create shots that he would be using at Pebble Beach. And 
for for that reason, and he was very encouraged by it. Like his not only in how he played on Sunday, but just his demeanor. He was saying like I was trying to do certain things that probably might have even cost me at Mirfield Village, mm. you know, because they were not necessarily the best way hmm. to attack Mirfield Village, but they were the type of things I needed to do to prepare at Hello Beach. So um, I guess his intellect, if you want to use that word, and the fact that he's now he's um, has a has a a game plan that he's going to implement and can implement based on how he's hitting the ball make me feel like he's got a very good chance. Of course, the big variable is, we mentioned the rough and how tight the fairways, he's got to hit fairways. I mean, if he's sort of on his heels from the start, not hitting fairways, especially because he's not Brooks Kapka, he's not going to be, you know, 330 yards down the fairway where he can, you know, wedge it out and get on the green. If he's going to lay back and miss fairways, he's going to be in trouble. Yeah, You're right. And and speaking of laying back, it just seems like, he never gets off to a great start, and the times that he has at the Tour Championship, he, he shot 65 or 66. That, that was when Larry Fitzgerald watched to make the eagle yes. on 18 from his locker room. You know, he got off, he took the lead. At the Masters even, I think it was a 68 or whatever. I mean, he was in the mix. I mean, these other events where he shoots 70 or 72, and then he ends up, you know, he, he always has a great Saturday, it seems, and even <laughs> Sunday amazing. he looks like he makes a run. It's just he needs to get off to that good start. Chris, were you even – well, you were alive in 2000, but but did you watch in 2000? Do you remember yeah. 2000 he had a at all? Cup. He was yeah. uh, he was, because no, I, I tell, dated myself. I was you know senior in high school, but no, I tell people the first memory <laughs> is Phil jump uh, jumping at the 2004, 2004 match. I I know I watched golf with my yeah. dad. I can't. I, I mean, can't you vividly how old like were you in 2000? Eight, seven, eight. Okay, so you could have been watching. I ca- like I kind of remember. I don't even remember the Yankees Mets World Series. Oh my God. Just stop talking. I, I watched it. Wow. I watched it. Wow. I know Incredible. I watched it, but I can't like not like the memory well, I have. On the way upstairs, certain... we were talking about John Lennon. We had to ask Chris if you knew who John yeah, Lennon. Yeah, yeah. Was. I don't know who John Lennon is. No, no, you you did. You did. You did. Okay, well, we've got to make that clear. Uh, oh, I Rolling remember, Stones guys. I, I remember still getting calls when Tiger like we were trying to figure out like we were going out that night and whatever. Probably the, the woods for you know a keg party whatever. <laughs> And uh, running into the kitchen, I had to get the landline phone still. This right. is in 2000. I mean, it's, it seems like it's not that long ago, but it was a long time ago. I mean, I, I grew up, I, I was a huge Tiger fan. Yeah. I watched him as a child, but my first vivid memories would be Philip, the chipping chip in at 2005, uh, yeah. Tory. That's wow. when I really started to like That's fall in crazy. love with the game. I wanted to play it all the time. and. So yeah, I can't That's I can't crazy. tell you my, about 2000. My recollection of that US Open Pebble Beach again, it, you know, it was the internet era, but it wasn't like you were consulting the internet for a live leaderboard. So it was one of those weeks I where wasn't. Yeah. Right, so you would turn on the TV and it was almost like a misprint on the TV when you saw the scores because yes. I mean, I remember like Friday, yes. you know, it was like, you know, plus 6, plus 7 and yeah. then suddenly Tiger Woods was minus 6. Yeah. It was almost I mean, it really was like a um Playing yeah. like playing different golf, but it was golf. so cool too because it's one you know when they're on the West Coast you get to watch a little primetime golf and I remember Thursday Friday I don't think they did it quite like they did at Tory in 2008 that was he, awesome that was great but but still Thursday Friday one of those days he played kind of late and it was just neat to kind of watch golf with the different and obviously Johnny Miller that first round had his famous I think he's going to break every record this week and all that it was just a, I got to give a, a shout out to Christian Yost our executive yeah. producer longtime yeah. uh, photo editor at Golf Digest because. Um, it, it doesn't meet the standard of what oh, we do now. Oh, you know what I'm talking about, yes, right? Yes, yes. Greatest golf i got to show it to you, Chris, because yeah. it's, it's like a history Classic lesson. Video. So Yost and I, in 2010, did this video um, with interviews of all the people who were, you know, all of our staff guys who were at the U.S. Open sort of describing Tiger's run at 2000, and we called it the greatest golf I've ever played. It really was a beautiful 
beautiful work of art. I mean, the, the production quality compared to what we do now is laughable. Right. Um, but it was like we really worked hard. It was like a nine-minute documentary yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about it. And uh, I still get a little misty-eyed thinking yeah. about it because we put so much work into it. Well, that, that's funny because just yesterday I was showing Chris <laughs> was the gonna... uh, five rules of playing with, with <laughs> that women. That actually did have pretty good production. It was you night. and Yost. That was a full shoot. Oh, and, yes. And are... it was you and Yost right there in the card produced by. <laughs> and then Marvel was Legendary. in the middle. I mean, it was, it was all happening. It was a great Great video, Stina. Did you watch that video? Yeah, yeah. I did, yeah. He, I thought he would know the course. Did you just do when Alex shows the glove, throws yeah, his iron? That yeah. was Sam's idea. I great did. directing. <laughs> I, did I didn't I really know the channel course. Was motivation. You filmed it from like multiple angles. Um, all right, I just want to talk about a few guys quickly before we wrap up here. Obviously, we talk about the memorial. We can't not talk about Patrick Cantley. Uh, 27-year-old seems to be bursting through now, um, and he has finished in the top 10 at both the first two majors, other than Dustin and Brooks. I think he's the only guy who's done that, uh, including a third place at Bethpage Black. He is now ascended up to near favorite status, not with Brooks and DJ, but in that 16 to one range. That is the most respect he's been getting. What, what do you think? Chris? He uh, he deserves that. He probably deserved that respect before before mm-hmm. the win. To be honest with you, I mean, look at what he did. And I didn't even realize. I, think you guys said on the podcast the other day he finished tied for third at beth page yeah almost won the masters uh he's he's basically in contention every time he plays unbelievable iron player obviously said he's a little bit slow um it's a slow. i was actually thinking the other day i think he made his like his first sponsor start after the whole tragedy in the mm-hmm. back i think it was, it was at pebble, pebble beach yeah it was yeah. i found a post i did and it yes. was it was like oh yeah remember patrick cantley like right. he'd completely fallen off the map even though he'd been this Phenom. Right. Total phenom. Yeah. I, I vividly remember also when Rory won at Congressional, he, he, you can see Canley in the background because he won low amateur with like his big ears, yes. like with yeah. no hat on. <laughs> so I remember him being like a total phenom, right. the 60 at uh, Travelers. Travelers. Yep. So I think it's all c- coming to fruition, and it's cool to see because he seems like a nice dude. He's a little quiet, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, he's... I think his game is perfect for Pebble too. Yeah, and when his when he first came back in 2017, he only played 12 events that year, and he qualified for the Tour Championship, which only yeah. Tiger's done that other than him. So, uh, obviously, he's kind of been building more towards like a full schedule and being able to compete week in week out, which he he now is doing. Um, Sam, I want to talk another guy we have to mention is Phil Mickelson. Uh, who not only was in contention in 2010, but has been torching the USGA, obviously still looking for the career grand slam. He's going to turn 49 during the final round. Um, and he's won five times at Pebble, including this year. Right. But he has not done anything hardly since. So right. where where do you fall with him? Um, I mean, I think he sort of falls in the same category as Tiger, where it's, it's gonna a lot's gonna hinge on hit the driver or how, how how he's driving the or, ball because it might not always be a driver. Which driver? And which driver? Yeah, he's got two uh, in cuts. the bag. Yeah, I just two feel, cuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he just posted that short game video. Did you oh, see so yesterday it off it the toe? Good. It's actually yeah. is, you know what it was about bumping and running, Ooh. which is funny because he is Mister Flop. I know yeah. he's Mister. Does he ever? Bu- obviously, yeah. he brings it out maybe yeah. randomly, but I, yeah. I don't think he's ever in a position to, to bump and run. He's always but he, right. short he almost yeah. made. A, I think he was making a point about how that's a shot that you need to implement at Pebble for some reason. Because yeah. I don't think about Pebble as a place where there's like these runoff areas around the green right. I, um, where you can where you can run the ball. But I feel yeah. like um, I, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we're actually preparing a story right now that Joel Bill's going right. to do about how this is it. This for is Phil, chance, Phil yeah. is going to complete the career grand slam for for a variety of reasons. Um, Pebble Beach is his window. I still think it's a slim chance just because yeah. there's not enough form. Um, but 
The other way of looking at it is he's kind of in that same category as as Tiger for sure about being able to craft a game plan and think his way around the golf course and and uh, you know, just kind of manufacture a score based on what he knows. I would put Jordan Spieth in that category as well. I which I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get to. Yep. Um, so so there there is there is a chance. I do again think that you know it's it, you know a lot of it will be hinging on if he's going to you know put himself in a position to execute that game plan because yeah. again everyone has a plan to get punched in the mouth if right. you start missing fairways you're now you know you're wedging out halfway and now you're now you're on your heels right from the start yeah i like phil i, I think in our ranking i have him i dropped him because of the the 79 in the second round at memorial and, and the whole two driver experiment thing I, I don't i hope he doesn't go with that at pebble um just because i just don't think you need that there but uh i think i dropped him down to like eighth but i do think he'd be in like the top 10 guys to win there. I, I don't think it'd be crazy. For sure. Yeah. I, well, I had him in the top five before that. But anyway, uh, Jordan Spieth, speaking of guy racking up top 10s, um, I wouldn't say he's back back, but he's pretty close to all the way back. He's Let's say he's three quarters back because yes. the fourth round, he never plays well. No, I mean, well. dude, you can't call a guy back right. when he's consistently in contention on Saturday right. and then he falls off on Sunday. Right. But yet he's still... Finishing the top ten, it seems, every week. He, he, he had, by the way, he played four weeks in a row, which was a busy stretch. Obviously, he had the third at, at Bethpage, um, you know, uh, I think an eighth at Colonial, where he was in contention, had a bad Sunday. And then this past week, just didn't do anything on Sunday at the Memorial. Still finished in the top ten, though. But, he, but again, it was one of those things where he um, bogeyed a few holes, and then he made his way back. And then right? he made his way right. back, right. right, exactly. And so he hasn't, you know, it's not like he's been shooting 80s in the final round or anything, but he's ranked 201st in final round scoring average on tour right now, and it's, you know, it's got to be a little alarming. That being said, his putting is unreal right now. The short game, he chipped in twice in one yeah. round at Memorial. Um, you know, the driving's always going to be a little erratic. The iron play's coming back a little. It's not to what it was. But, you know, he's now been elevated to 14-1. to 1. I think he's the fourth favorite behind Brooks, DJ, Tiger. You know, uh, we have to put him back. We, we we totally wrote him off going to the Beth page. No, you yeah. wrote him off. I Let's did, just I be did. clear. Okay. And he finished third. We, I mean, I, he Sam said this is kind of a course back. where maybe you think he can. Um, he did, but I think Pebble is a course where he could kind of navigate his way around and uh, find his way into contention. At I'll, least at least through three rounds. And I'll say the the weekend at Beth page was the grind fest grind that he pulled fest. off was incredible. Yeah, that it's going to be a grind fest at Pebble, obviously U.S. Open. Um, if he's driving it the way he's been driving, he's kind of blowing it all over the place. Remember at Pebble this year, he was like on 13. He was like behind a tree, oh, like yeah, that's right. 180 yeah. yards off the tee or something Snipe like that. That's not, it's not going to work next <laughs> yeah. week, I don't think. But he's the, he's the guy that if the putter gets going, he can kind of – I think he could snap out of it next week right. totally if he just starts burying a bunch of putts. But if he's like grinding for pars like he was at Bethpage, I, 14 to 1, I would not uh, – yeah, I, I think like I think they've elevated him a little just because of his name. Obviously, he's. Not, I would love him like twenty or yeah, twenty five, yeah, like, that, like he was. I think at Beth Page. Yeah, and he is a previous winner at AT and T Pebble Beach as well in, in twenty seventeen. So he does have um, that that history at, at Pebble. All right, are there just, any other guys you want to mention, or anything else you want to mention before we give our official pick? Oh, actually, let's give a well. When we give our picks, I want to give a your picks. winner and like a sleeper guy. Okay. What about uh, all right, who, what I, were you I'm not say? prepared. Right. No, no, no. I was the only thing I was going to say about about Spieth is that we talked about like you know bogan a couple holes early, whereas 
when you're playing at Memorial or in another tournament, when you bogey a couple of holes early on Sunday, you're like, well, that's it. I've lost complete ground. If he has that kind of Sunday where he loses, I think he's playing with enough confidence, and that's not going to hurt him as much as it would be any other week. Where I feel, right. you know, does that make sense? Where um, yeah, losing yeah, yeah. like the, the the U.S. Open by definition yes. is a complete grind, yes. and so and he's putting well enough, which is like, okay, I got to just you know make this eight footer for par. I feel like he's of the mind where. Um, that's not a terrible challenge right. to face, whereas some guys are going to feel like they're right. they're treading water at that. And point. he'll make a lot of those, which almost picks Elevates you up him. more yes. uh, more than a guy who's just even two putting and saying, "Oh man, I'm missing opportunities here." Um, all right, any any other guy you want to, or should we give picks? Picks, picks. Sure. All right, Chris, let's go to picks. Who's going to win? Who's a sleeper? I know you've already kind of said you like Kucher. Maybe is that I do. Your sleeper I do guy like or, who, yeah, yeah, fifty to one. Okay. Uh, I think I do. I like Tiger at eleven one as the Tiger winner. to win. Yeah, yeah. Woo! All right. Um, oh, I love Ricky Fowler. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow! What a dagger. You. That's funny. You say that I'm though. Never because doing anything. You always bet on him. I you would, get suckered in I was every about the, time. I would say ten of the last yeah. fifteen majors. I bet. I bet on him on Thursday before the tournament. Yeah. And then and you then jump Sunday on morning. Yeah, double down. Like, line. oh, he's gonna come. He's gonna yep. come from behind. Yep. So. I'm done. I'm off. Right, which means he's probably going to win this week. <laughs> Brittany, make sure is, that we yeah. we clip that uh, audio. Yes, so when Ricky wins, this is going to be Ricky's Nalu, first man. major. Then. Freezing cold for sure. So, this oh, is going to be yeah. Oh you, yeah. Uh, I love Adam Scott. I okay. think he'll, he'll hit a bunch of greens, yep. and um, if he just makes a few putts, he'll have a chance. I love our. I love our. Hopefully, Dude, podcast. Yeah, I mean, you love everybody. Picks. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. come on. No, it's golf. If you you can love like eight guys. Come on, Tony. Oh, you love Tony. Yeah. Okay. Big Tom. I'm off. I'm also off the Fleetwood train. I, I've had enough. Enough of him. <laughs> Bryson, Bryson, forty to one. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. You're gonna make a lot of bets. <laughs> maybe, maybe the segment should be people that Chris Powers is not Doesn't picking. Like, yeah. It'd be much shorter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ricky Fowler, and he'll win. Yeah, I got yeah. ten picks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not picking Ricky. Sam, who's your kind of sleeper guy, and and then who's your winner? Um, or maybe they're the same guy. Well, I hate to be predictable, but I I, I kind of feel good about Tiger. It's Ooh, an, um, both of you guys. I know. I'm not, wow. sorry. Okay. But, no, that's good. And I guess my, I, you know, a sleeper. I couldn't even tell you. So I, I mean, you gotta like, yeah. have like five guys, right? Right. So I mean, I actually think a guy like Fleetwood would surprise you. So thirty to one. Yeah, thirty one's. I like those. I like that value. Okay, for we'll, a guy let like that. That. we'll let because that. Because again, 31. if we're talking about you talk about Tommy Fleetwood, is not the longest hitter. Pebbles, I mean, certainly by U.S. Open standards, is not the longest golf course, and I just feel like he's a guy that's that's gonna gonna find his way there. All right, I'm not gonna pick Tiger just because I didn't <laughs> for the Masters and he won, so I'm gonna let him just do his own magic. Um, I, you know, I can't believe none of us are picking Brooks Kepka, but I'm not. I, not not only from a betting standpoint, it's not good value, but then on the same token, I am gonna pick Dustin Johnson, uh, which again, not. Not going out on a limb here, unlike you guys didn't go out on a limb either. But I, I think Dust of those two, I think Dustin's the guy. And again, you just look at his record. Even Colin Montgomery was like, "How does he only have one major?" I mean, it's just crazy to me. He has to win some more majors eventually. I think this is a course that he obviously loves. He loves going out there, um, and and I think this will be major number two for him. My sleeper is a guy who was a co-leader. Uh, after the first round in 2010, he's played Gregory pretty Habre? well out Look there. He, no, no, no. He he was the guy who probably should have won this year, and then Phil dusted him. Paul Casey. 
Nice. 40 to Ooh. 1. I like 40 that 40 to 1. Actually, I saw him 50 to 1. You have him 40? Ooh, yeah, I'm, I saw I'm him 50 to 1. So yeah, he's 50 to 1 on golf odds um, on uh, for Westgate. So I like Paul Casey. Again, I know he's a guy we always joke. He's, he's never won a major. He's never really come close. But I think this course, um, you know, where a score similar to where he's won it in his brook, a score maybe like in the five, six, seven under, you know, not a shootout. I like Paul Casey. So those are my two guys, DJ, Paul Casey. Uh, all right, anything else, guys? Amazing. No, none of us talked about Frankie Molinari. I guess we feel like that we're off that track. No, Xander. I mean, poor right. guy gets I don't so wanna, disrespected. Uh, he might be again, the most disrespected guy. He is. Xander. I call him Brooks Kepka Light. So he's <laughs> yeah. he's in the mix. He, I think, again, we give him respect in our rankings. I have Molinari, I think, fifth. No so Rom. We probably should have mentioned him. No Rom. No, we're not we're not really on Rose. the train right now, right? No Rose. Not even no a talk. single mention Didn't of Rory. Didn't even talk about him. Yeah, no Rory mention. Sam, I don't. I don't see Rory this week. He's I don't fourth, see him either. Fourth favorite. I agree. Yeah, I don't either. see. And again, that's just kind of being biased. You, you you just think about Pebble and you think about you know the width of the fairways, the, the greens. I feel like Rory needs some room to kind of right. wear it out a little bit. Right. Well, and and we always talk about him loving the American weather better, and this is like the least exactly. American <laughs> weather that you can have out there in Pebble. So uh, I guess we're we're all staying away from Rory as well. All right. I guess that wraps it up. Thanks again to Tony Finau for joining us. Thanks to Sam and Chris for chatting. Uh, thanks to our producer, as always, Brittany Romano. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. And check back on Sunday night when we wrap up an exciting, hopefully an exciting, 2019 U.S. Open from Pebble Beach.